0: Going through them yet. If you want to stand and join with us, you will. So um, I just wanted to share. I've seen this thing this week about you know everyone, a lot of people are discouraged right now with everything going on, and I've uh, seen this thing about no matter what is going on, I'm not going to lose my faith in God. So. I try to remember every day, every morning, regardless of what's going on, I'm not with faith. But we're going to stand up here this morning and we're going to sing praises to the Lord and rejoice in His name. Singing praises, I love to stand and rejoice. Lift my hands and raise my voice. I love to be in Your presence with Your people singing praises. I love to stand and rejoice. Lift my hands and raise my voice. You set my feet to dancing. You fill my heart with song. You give me reason to rejoice. Rejoice! I love to be in your presence with your people singing praises. I love to stand and rejoice. Lift my hands and raise my voice. You set my feet to dancing, you fill my heart with song, you give me reason to rejoice, rejoice. I love to be in your presence, with your people singing praises, I love to stand and rejoice, lift my hands and raise my voice. Lift my hands, lift my hands, lift my hands and raise my voice. It is, it is amazing. The next song is I Stand Amazed. And the people that um, we were talking about today, it is marvelous, wonderful that no matter where we are in this world, no matter what house we are in, even if we're not even in the house, even if we don't even have a Bible, how amazing God is that we don't have to be in His houses because he's there with us no matter what. And it's just, it is amazing. So I do stand amazed and how wonderful, how marvelous he is. Me. oh how marvelous, oh how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh how marvelous, oh how wonderful is my for me. Oh how marvelous. oh how wonderful, and my song shall. Ever He's my Savior's love for me, He's my Savior's love for me, He's my Savior's love for me. that song is I Sing Praise. I don't know how well I sing, but I can make a joyful noise, and I hope you will help me do that. So let's make a joyful noise of singing praises. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. Sing praises to your name. My name is great and great.
1: I was listening to some podcasts uh, through the week and as I, I believed God was impressing some things on me and, and to be able to share those things and then I debated, well, do I share them before before we go live on Facebook or do I share them after? And, and so in the end I ended up deciding to share them at this point. Um, we live in an interesting time and it's the body of believers that is here in this building, Right now, there's just as many people that are watching on Facebook, even at the same time, and and people that will watch the Facebook video throughout the week as we push it out to YouTube and podcast and on the church webpage and different media. Um, And as we get that out there, um, we live in an interesting time because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring, it seems. You know? what does tomorrow bring and we end up on this roller coaster of emotional things and news media and i keep reading people just saying forget it i'm turning off tv i'm turning off facebook i'm turning off anything because i'm tired of riding this roller coaster and i started coming back and saying well why are we even on this roller coaster and and spiritually why are we on this roller coaster and it started bringing me back to just normal christian disciplines that should be normal Christian disciplines, but they're not normal Christian disciplines. And we, we've lost them over the years. We've lost them over time um, where churches become, you know, hey, I'm going to pump you up and we're going to feel good and we're going to go and and that's it. And then we come back in. And I was even talking to Patty this past week. And when, when church becomes this one hour a week of let's get together into a building somewhere, and that is my Christian focus. And then all of the other hours of the week, that's life. But I'll do this routine thing on an hour. It's nowhere near enough to take us on the Christian journey that God wants us to be on. It, it will fall short. No matter how much worship we can have on a Sunday morning, how wonderful music could be, or whatever... Aspect, And you can find the best preacher in the world to stand behind this pulpit on a Sunday morning, and it will fall short in sustaining us in our Christian life. And and then it brings me back to Christian disciplines, the normal Christian disciplines that should be in my life, should be in all of our lives, but they're not normal Christian disciplines anymore. And so I, I wanted to just share some of those, and you take them and do with them what you want. Uh, we're all in different places in our journey with the Lord and where he has brought us and where he continues to bring us. But just spiritual disciplines, and, and I just started writing some down this morning. Uh, self-denial, giving of oneself. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny this for myself and give to something else. Self-denial. Uh, prayer. Where's our discipline of prayer? Or Bible reading? or church attendance now we live in a very strange day so church attendance can mean a lot of different things but i say as a discipline and the reason i say it as a discipline because our church attendance if one week it's at 10 o'clock and then the next week it's monday afternoon at three o'clock and the next week it's sunday evening at nine o'clock that's not a discipline that's that's a shotgun. That's a sporadic. It's not a discipline. So uh, church attendance, and we can have discipline even in today's day with, with church attendance. Uh, discipleship. Am I being discipled? Am I growing in my faith? Am I discipling somebody else and helping them to grow in their faith? Where is our, our, our discipline of giving? And where is our discipline of fasting? You know, Taking times throughout the week or a month and where we set aside time where we can focus on the Lord. So self-denial, prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, discipleship, giving, fasting, and there's so many other disciplines in the church body that should be normal for all of us. And I say they should be normal because if they become normal, then all of the waves of life and all of the storms and all the chaos and all the crazy things that go on, they become meaningless because I'm in a steadfast relationship with God. So I'm just throwing that out there. Take it for what you want. Take it, leave it. Um, but I believe God is calling His church back to normal. This is not abnormal. Calling His church back to normal disciplines. What should be normal in every Christian's life. And without it, we are going to struggle. Without it, the church will struggle. And someday we'll all wake up and say, "Oh, I need to get back to that." And so I encourage you: search your own heart. Find where you're at, talk to God about it, pray about it, and see where God wants you to do. And maybe it's not that whole long list of eight or nine things. Maybe it's just one. Maybe God's saying to you, look, can I get five minutes a day where you read your Bible? Just five. And maybe God's saying, would you pray for me for 15 minutes every evening before you fall asleep? I don't know what God's saying to you. I know what he's saying to me. And But I do believe he wants us to get back to those normal disciplines. If you're struggling in your faith and you don't know where to go, pick up the phone call me call somebody else in the church and say help me grow in my faith let's let's work this through together i I need you to disciple me and i need someone to disciple and and let's just grow in our faith together that's what this body is about and if we can't do that for each other then we're going to always fall short and fall flat on our face and stumble and wander around and enough i I just god's placed that on my heart so (laughs) let's get to zechariah chapter 8 because this is this is loaded Zechariah 8 is really, really loaded. Um, I will tell you, I have studied a lot of chapters in the Bible, a lot of passages in the Bible, a lot of books in the Bible. And Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 8 makes my head spin. It really does. And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to allow God to speak to us, and you'll see then where I'm going with Zechariah chapter 8. Oh my, I messed up. This is Pastor Ralph's fault. So, you might as well just skip to the next couple of slides cuz Pastor Ralph didn't update the scripture passage. Now you're going to be forced to open up your Bibles cuz it's not going to be on this screen. So, you you snoozed, you lose today. There was something wrong with that slide, wasn't there? Pastor Ralph didn't put the right scripture passage in it. Here we go. Zechariah chapter 8 from God's word and I have it in two different places up here. So, we'll go Again, the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of his age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at this time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. This is what the Lord Almighty says. You who now hear these words spoken by the prophets who were there when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty, let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. Before that time there were no wages for man or beast. No one could go about his business safely because of his enemy, for I had turned every man against his neighbor. But now I will not deal with this the remnant of this people as I did in the past declares the Lord Almighty the seed will grow well the vine will yield its fruits the ground will produce its crops and the heavens will drop their dew I will give all these I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people as you have been an object of cursing among the nations O Judah and Israel so will I save you and you will be a blessing do not be afraid, but let your hands be strong. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Just as I had determined to bring disaster upon you and showed no pity when your fathers angered me, says the Lord Almighty, so now I have determined to do good against to, again to Jer- Jerusalem and Judah. Do not be afraid. These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other. And render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against your neighbor, and do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this, declares the Lord. Again, the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will come, and the inhabitants of one city will Go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going, and many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem and seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we prepare our hearts to look to your word. Um, Big passage of scripture for us. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you speak through the power of your Holy Spirit to allow these words to sink sink into our hearts and that we're able to ponder your word and understand what you want to say to us today. We thank you again for the prophetic words of Zechariah. We thank you. We're able to come, in the name of Jesus Christ, into this place and worship you. To lift you up. And learn more about you. I lift this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as I started to share, we're going to venture into this passage, which I believe can make our heads spin a little bit and get us a little bit confused as we may go through it. Um, but I, hopefully today can get some form of firm understanding As we venture through this. Um, So with that, I want to set a precedent of what we're looking at so we can start to understand this uh, a little bit. First is Jewish life from this point forward uh, through the next 2,500 years would not be considered wonderful. So as I read through this and I hear all of these words about, uh, you know, old men sitting in the streets and children, you know, sitting there with their canes and relaxing and the children, the boys and the girls playing in the streets and all this wonderful time, if I look backwards through history, I can't say that that has happened in the city of Jerusalem. And so hopefully you're with me with that. From the time of Zechariah up to the day of Jesus, they did have a little bit of roller coasters. They did have some wonderful blessed times. There is history books that are written, Jewish history books that talk about how wonderful times that the the Israelites enjoyed in Jerusalem through a period of time. But they're very short periods of time, and they didn't last forever. They were attacked by other nations, and they're continued under pressure. And even when we get to Jesus' day, they're under Roman rule. And... They're free, but at the same time, they're not. And so we get all the way up to 70 A.D., and and as history tells us, in 70 A.D., Jerusalem fell. So I can't look back and say, well, this is about God's wonderful blessing on the people of Judah and on the people of Israel going forward for the next thousands thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Because the prophetic word then falls short because there are periods of time where Jerusalem literally ceased to exist. Does it exist today again? Yes. Uh, We have Jerusalem that is back as a city. We have Israel as a nation and, and all of those aspects of it. But I don't believe that's what God was talking from Zechariah to the people of Judah. I don't think that's what he was trying to convey because it falls short because there were periods of time that there was destruction. There were periods of time where they were attacked. There were periods of time where children did not play in the streets in a joyful way. There were periods of time where they did not experience peace. There was periods of time where there was no righteousness shining forth from Israel. And so I have to start to look at this a different way. And so as verse 23 says at the end, in those days, okay, in those days, in those days. When are those days? And that's when I started to focus on this and say, when are those days? There were spurts of joy. There were spurts of happiness. There were spurts of peace. But they certainly weren't those days. So when are those days? When were the times that were going to happen where they would be blessed in such a way, that where righteousness would shine in such a way, Where people were knocking down the door and saying, I want to have a part of this because the Lord Almighty is praised. Glory to His name on high. I want to be part of that and I want to knock on the door too. And I want to grab a hold of someone's robe and say, Hey, you're going up there to worship God. I want to go with you. So when are those days? And I believe those days when we look back through history and to take this in a completely different direction, those days are when Jesus Christ came and set us free. When Jesus Christ came and gave his life as a ransom for many and gave us a new life, how did it happen? It happened, Jesus was, from the family of David. It happened through the Jewish lineage that Jesus Christ came. The days that Zechariah is promising the people of Judah here in Zechariah chapter 8 is pointing forward with a prophetic vision of here are the days of the kingdom of God that were going to come about when Jesus Christ would rule and reign the kingdom of God. And so I take it in that direction this morning and that's the direction that I'm going to go with because we're looking at a time where the kingdom of God would be established, where the kingdom of God would bring a blessing to all mankind. And we have these glimpses of the fulfillment of the kingdom of God and insight insight into the spiritual blessings of the kingdom of God where those who are young in Christ and those who are old in Christ would sit hand in hand stand together and worship God and lift up lift up holy hands in praise to God the young and the old all together enjoying the blessings of God in the kingdom of God because of what Jesus Christ has done and so with everything that verse 23 talks about and where God reveals his heart to us that the It comes to those who are part of the kingdom of God. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you claim that for yourself this morning, you are part of the kingdom of God and you are there and able to enjoy the blessings of Zechariah chapter 8. And I will also say the challenges to us from Zechariah chapter 8. And so that's where I'm going to go this morning. I'm not going to go in and start pulling out every little word and what's, what's the holy mountain and, and why Jerusalem and why does it say the Jews and, and all of the different aspects. But this points forward to our life in Christ and what our life in Christ will be. And so this is where I really want us to go this morning and understand what God wants to say to us. And I want to start right at the beginning where God has this beautiful sentiment for you, for each and every one of us. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Put your name in the block. God looks at you and he says, I am burning with jealousy for Ralph. Here's an aspect about that. When I start to think about God's sentiment in looking at me, and what he desires out of me and where his heart is towards me and his heart towards you right where you sit this morning, right where you stand this morning, wherever you are when you're listening to this, that God's sentiment for you is beautiful in a way that he is jealous for us and he is burning with jealousy for us. Well, Ralph, isn't jealousy a bad thing? No, not necessarily a bad thing. Now, I want to tell you, there are aspects of jealousy that are a bad thing. If you are coveting something, If I am jealous of my neighbor's car, that's because I'm coveting it and I want it for myself, that's bad. If, If I'm desiring something that's not mine, that type of coveting is bad. And that's a little bit different than jealousy. Being suspicious in a jealous way is a bad thing. That can take us down a dangerous path. But the jealousy that we we have here in verse 2, and I want to give it to you in a different place in the Bible to understand it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Part of the Ten Commandments, God says, You shall not bow down to them or worship them when talking about idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He's jealous in the sense that what is rightfully and dutifully His should be expressed to Him and to him alone that we should not worship or bow down to anything else our worship should be for god alone and so when we read about god being jealous and in this sentiment that he has for us it's god looking at us and saying i'm the creator i'm the one who made you i've made you in my image and god is calling out to us and saying will you in turn worship me and when we turn around and we worship something else, God is saying, I'm burning with jealousy because I want their worship to be directed to God and to God alone. And so when we worship ourselves, when our worship turns to the world around us, God's sentiment continues that He says, I am burning for jealous, with jealousy for her because He wants us to come back into that right standing, that right relationship with Him where we worship God alone because He knows that's the best place that we can be. When we worship The creation around us when we worship television, when we worship actors and actresses and and sports heroes or, or politicians or worship. I will say when we worship a political party because we think it's going to be the savior of the world and you can fill in the blank of whichever one you want. I can tell you if that's where our worship has gone then we have moved away from our worship for God. And God is jealous for us because He wants us to come back into a right relationship because He is the Savior of the world, and He wants us to understand who He is and have our worship directed back towards God in the way that it should be. And so often we settle for second best, and God is saying, I want you to have the best. And the best is when you're worshiping me. And God calls out to us in that form. I'm going to move on. i got a lot of things this morning, so i got to keep moving. We're going to move on from God's sentiment for us to something even better, and it's God's strength for us. I'm going to jump all the way down into verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Very simple verse. I want to talk about God's strength for us. You want to build a house? I don't know if I could ever build a house. I have some of the skills, but I don't have all the skills. So what's the best way to build that house? Go get someone who has all the skills. And you get that person who has all the skills, and you have them build the house. I don't know how to replace windows. So get someone that can replace windows. I don't know how to fix the fix the air conditioner when the air conditioner breaks. Go get someone who can, who can fix an air, air conditioner. Why? Because it's their strength that can take care of something for me. Because I can't do it. I don't have the tools. I don't have the skills. I don't have the knowledge. Or I might not have the energy. Or... Um, might just be lazy and don't want to do it. Whatever it is, I'm going to rely on the strength of somebody else to come and do it for me. Now, I want to go back to that verse with that little bit of analogy. What may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me? me? God is so wonderful and so great, and he looks at each and every one of us, and he says, there's nothing that's too difficult for me. Nothing that's too difficult for me. And we often miss out on that because we're trying to accomplish and get through things in life, and we're missing out on the point that God's saying, "You're my remnant. You're my people. You're my children. You're the one that I I gave my life for." And there's nothing too difficult for me. Whatever part of the roller coaster you're on at this point, and whatever part of life you're going through, and whether whether you're going through the darkest valley. And understanding that God is with us, and it's God's strength that is carrying us through. On our biggest day of difficulty, on our biggest day of defeat, on our greatest day of worry, God's still in control, and His strength still carries us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, a familiar verse, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, when God says this over your life, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you this wonderful future, and then we say, I don't know if God can do it. And God says, will it seem marvelous to me? Will it seem marvelous to me? I'm God. I'm the one who put the world into existence. I'm the one that breathed life into you. I'm the one that created everything around you. I think I can take care of it. And so when I'm going through life and in my eyes I see something that's a disappointment, a failure, a difficulty that's in front of me, in God's eyes, in God's strength, he's saying, come on, Ralph. Come on, Ralph. Trust in me for this. It's just a little flick. It's just a little flea. It may seem like a mountain to you, but it's just a little bit of faith, and that mountain will be thrown into the sea. And that's the strength that God wants us to rely on and to call out on because the God who called nations into existence God who called nations into existence, do you think our community's problems are too big for him? They're not. The God who, who created the world, the God who stood on a mountain and fed 5,000 people with some fish and some loaves, do you think he can take care of our daily bread that's going to be on our table? That's the God we serve, and that's the God we worship. That's the God who loves us, and his strength is there for us to rely on. And all of this is possible because of God's strength and the mighty right hand of God. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous, because the Lord's right hand has done marvelous things. And when God looks at each and every one of our lives, when God was prophesying through Zechariah to the people of Judah saying, there's a great thing that's going to be coming, a wonderful thing that's going to be coming, that's going to change the world and change it for all eternity, and this great thing is coming, it may seem marvelous in your eyes, but in my strength, I can take care of this. And God's looking at our lives today and He said, it doesn't matter what you're going through, you're my people. My strength is there for you. It's not too difficult for me. We need to look at the situations we're in and understand that God's strength is there. His sentiment is there for us. His strength is there for us. And the biggest part of the story that I get out of Zechariah chapter 8 is that his salvation is there for us. I'm going to jump down into the next verse, into verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the East and the West. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. There's a God I want to serve, one who is faithful and righteous to me. I fall short, I sin, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in every single failure that I have, I know that God is always, always, always faithful and righteous to me. Do my sins end up sometimes with bad situations and difficulties? Yep. And then I have to trust in God to carry me through them. But I know that I serve a God who is faithful and righteous and just to me. And a God who has brought salvation, who has saved his people from the countries of the East and the West. Well, Pastor Ralph, isn't Zechariah talking to the people of Judah? I believe he is. And one of the reasons that I believe that this points forward to Jesus Christ is I know for a fact that the people of Judah, they came from the North. They came from the South. They came from the east, but I know they didn't come from the west. It's fascinating when I read this little, this one little verse of scripture. The people of Judah were scattered all over to the north and to the south and to the to the east, but they didn't go west. So they didn't have to come from the west. But I do know, from a New Testament perspective, that Jesus Christ has come to save all people, all people from the north and the south and the east and the west. That his salvation is for everyone. And so God's salvation, and that's why I believe this points forward to Jesus Christ and his great work of saving all people from all countries, from all tribes, from all nations. Titus 2.11 tells us that for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. We must always remember that the salvation of God is for all people the work work of grace that God has done in my life and has done in your life, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you can say, I have God's salvation in my life, I want to tell you that it's not just for your life. It's for all people. It's for the person who's next to you. It's for the person you encounter. It's for everyone around us. I want to jump down into verse 12 and jump down into some of the things that are here in regards to the salvation, where the seed will grow and the vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops. The heaven will drop their dew. I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. Again, why I think this points forward to Jesus Christ. As soon as I read that verse, there was one thing that popped in my head. When he said, in verse 12, the seed will grow well. There was a story that popped in my head right away. And it's a story Jesus told. It's the parable of the sower. Where the farmer went out and sowed his seed. And I'm not going to go through the whole parable. But the last verse of that parable... In Mark 4:20 says, Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept the word, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Jesus is talking about the seed, the, the word of God, the salvation message going out, and it's being scattered, and it's being scattered by us through our lives as we go through life, and it's being scattered, and that seed was falling on the ground, and some people hear the word of God, and they accept it, and they receive it, and they grow, and they are saved as well. That's the seed that will grow well. I want to go to the next sentence. Another part in John fifteen five. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, there's fruit coming from the vine. If I go back to Zechariah chapter 8, verse 12, the vine will yield its fruit. You're the vine. You're the fruit. We remain in Christ. We're grafted in. We're grafted into that vine. And as we grow and the branches grow out, we're bearing fruit. Now, do you start to get to see that picture? Jesus himself illuminates, lights up Zechariah chapter 8 by his own words and his own teachings about how beautiful it is in the kingdom of God and how the seed will grow well and how the vine will yield its fruit and the ground will produce its crops. God's salvation is poured out for all of us because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He gave his life so we can have life. And this gets poured out into others' lives as well and continues to pour out to the east and to the west where all someday will sit down in the kingdom of God. God's sentiment, God's strength, and God's salvation. And here's where we get into a little bit of a challenge for us. God's spur for us. God likes to kick us on a little bit and wants us to move forward. I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 16. These are the things you are to do. We don't do them, but these are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other. Speak the truth to each other. Yep. Render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against your neighbor. Do not love to swear falsely. I hate all of this, declares the Lord. God's calling out for us to follow Him. Even I jump down into verse 19. Therefore, love love truth and love peace. Hebrews 10.24 says that we should consider how we can spur one another on towards good deeds, towards love and good deeds. Zechariah's word is coming from God and and he's given us that spur that as believers who have tasted the salvation of God, who have tasted and seen how wonderful God is, that we are to be able to come forward and speak the truth in love. John 14.27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God wants us to be able to walk as peacemakers. God wants us to be able to walk in truth and to walk in love. Our salvation, I'm going to jump back. Our salvation was not an event in our lives where one day we are sitting in a chair in a church somewhere or maybe at a camp campfire somewhere and all of a sudden we say, Yes, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Woohoo! this is great. And then... We put the card in our pocket and we go on with life. That's not Christianity. And that's not the salvation that Jesus Christ wants to give to us. The salvation that Jesus Christ wants to give to us is when we say, we confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. I'm confessing with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's the ruler of my life. He is the one now who is in charge of my life. He is the one that I want to follow in my life. And by following Him, I want to do what He says. And one of the things that He says that I should do is to speak truth and to bring peace to others and to bring salvation to others. And He's spurring us on. On, that change occurs in our life so we can bring that change into other people's lives as well. And we do that by speaking the truth and being peace God's sentiment, His salvation, his, God's sentiment, His strength, His salvation, His spur. And this is where God stretches us. Jumping right to the end, the last verse. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, "Let us go by, let us go with you, because we have heard that God is with you." I don't know about you, but how many people are grabbing a hold of your coat on a Sunday morning and saying, "I want to go with you"? It's not happening a lot. It's not. But I know that's what God wants to happen a lot. If I jump to the book of Acts and read about the early church, there were people that were being saved and added to their number daily. Everybody had everything in common. They were worshiping in unity and loving God in unity, and they were carrying out the new church, and God was using them in a mighty way. There are Christians being born every day. Uh, Let's... I don't want to hide that from you. The kingdom of God is growing every single day with new believers every single day in this world. I'm just asking the question: Is it happening in my life? I'm asking the question: As God wants to stretch all of us, is it happening in your life? That's what God wants us to do. And it's a stretch. God's pulling us. God's pulling us. And that's how the kingdom of God grows. We have this picture, this verse, when one day people will live for God. They will stand for God. They will long for God. And they will allow God to impact their lives and change their very being. And then other people will look at them and say, Hey, there's something about you that I like, and I want to go with you. You didn't react the way that everybody else reacted when you got cancer. Why not? I want to go with you. You didn't react the same way when your marriage fell apart that everybody else reacted. I want to go with you. So you. It's the disasters in life where people are watching Christians, where people are watching us and saying, through that difficult time, you didn't react the same way that other people reacted. I want to grab a hold of the hem of your robe and go with you. Is during the coronavirus and all the difficulties that are going on, are we, as we go through anger in our Sunday school class, are we spewing out an anger? Or are we trying to show Christian love? So I have to stop and think. Does someone want to grab a hold? Say, I'm going to go with you because of the way you're reacting? Or are people saying, I don't want nothing to do with you? because of the way you're reacting. And that's the stretch that God is presenting to us in this last, verses, last verse, where people will say, looking at each of our lives, let us go with you because we have heard, we have heard that God is with you. And that's how God wants our lives to be lived out. And when we walk out of these doors today, will anyone have a desire to follow us back into these doors next week? When we carry out our work and we're at our workplace, will any co-worker ever say, I want to find out what's different about him? When we walk through the grocery store, when we go to the movies, when we eat at a restaurant, will anyone know that we have been saved by the grace of God? Will our children grab the hem of our garden and garment and say, I want to be like mom and dad because they love Jesus? Will others see the graces of God working in us during our difficult days. It's a big stretch. But it's a stretch that God puts there for each and every one of us. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with God's sentiment, His strength, His salvation, His his spur, His stretching of us? What do we do with all of this? I'm going to leave you with a simple sentence. Know you are the child of God. And the next step you take, He wants to take it with you. Know you are a child of God. And the next step you take, he wants to take it with you. The question that we're left with is do we take it with him or do we take it by ourselves? The decision's each of ours. Decide today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross rose from the dead ascended into heaven sat down at the right hand of God intercedes on our behalf we are so thankful for the blood shed by Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of sins the forgiveness of many may we all taste and see that today that today is the day of salvation and if we're not walking with you in salvation that we are reaching up to you and saying Lord forgive me save me and we begin that journey with you. I thank you for that gift of salvation that you've given to us, and may we each receive it in our own lives. Lord, as we walk from this place today, we pray that you do go with us, and that we're willing to allow you to go with us. Help us to step forward with you. Help us to not be lost without you. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for being with us. I thank you for being in this house with us. thank you for your grace and love that pours out on our lives. I thank you for the hedge of protection that you continue to place around each and every one of us. Your promises are faithful, righteous, and true. We rest in your promises today. May your peace be with each and every one of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.